Industry 45 podcast show. Shane Christa Reneal, your host. Rocking in Canada right now. Just a reminder, every Saturday night, Giant FM, 91.7, 70s at 7, 80s at 8, 90s at 9, Rocket House Party between 10 and midnight. And the Industry 45 podcast show, available at GiantFM.com, all sponsored by Trombetta Construction Materials, 1901 Barton Street East. That is in Hamilton, Ontario, my dear friend. Uh, what a great interview. Uh, cut up with Kelly Keggy via Zoom. So you're getting the audio, but this was a Zoom conversation. And uh, Kelly and I chatted, but a brand new album from Night Ranger, ATBPO. And the band played on. And uh, they have a single out right now. Uh, it's called Breakout. But uh, Kelly and I chatted, let's see, 40 years, 17 million albums. Talked about uh, the role of MTV. Uh, of course, Sister Christian, their biggest charting hit at number five that Kelly wrote and sang. Uh, also chatted about singing drummers. You know, Jack Blades from Night Ranger says Kelly is one of the top five singing drummers in the world. We'll see if Kelly agrees with that. Maybe who some of his influences were over the years and today who he thinks are some of the top singing drummers. The importance of new music to Night Ranger is on the docket for this conversation. They are on tour right now all over America. Kelly Keggy, Industry 45 Podcast Show, rocking in Canada, baby. He's bold, he's sexy, and he's a drummer. This is the Industry 45 Podcast Show with SCN. Hi, everybody. This is Kelly Kagi from Night Ranger, and you're listening to Shane Christopher Neal. He wanted me to say the whole thing on Giant FM. Come on, let's get rocking, boys. Yeah, I'm up. Uh, we're doing the uh, Moon Dance Jam up here in Walker, Minnesota tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we're up here doing this, and uh, yeah. And, and we were know. over in uh, Kadat, uh, yeah. you know, uh, last week. So, yeah, we're up here in the Midwest. You, know. you guys have been playing a number of shows. I've been watching them on YouTube, uh, people posting video, and, uh, of course, Night Ranger Instagram and all that stuff. So that's awesome. I know you have a lot on your plate, so I'll get to it quickly and get through this because I know you're busy. Uh, first yeah, of all, yeah. obviously a fellow drummer when you have animal you know, oh, on your... here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Buddy Rich, man. Absolutely. That, that whole thing with animal. And that was great. Oh, amazing. Really amazing. So I, uh, I work for a classic rock radio station close to Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, a place that you do not play nearly enough, Canada. And I really? missed it with Sammy, right? Right. Uh, You're yeah. over in, in and I missed the show. Something came up that day. You were playing over at our park, I thought, just for over sure. over the river. But uh, man, I don't know if I've ever seen Night Ranger and I've seen a million bands, but uh, I will one day. I do promise you. So we'll get into this. 
my first question, 17 million albums, almost 40 years later, you're still relevant in 2021 with a new record. Did you ever think that was going to happen? No, no. I, I, you know, it's like we used to we used to joke about it. It's like, yeah, we'll get five years in and then, you know, we'll all go work, you know, drive a truck or whatever. You know, it's like you, you just never know, you know, especially when the record company is giving you all these staffs in the beginning. Like, you know, most bands only get five years and, uh, you know, mo- most of the bands we sign or, you know, like go away after the first record. We're like, we're like, thanks so much. We appreciate that. You know, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, we. We still work at it really hard, like we're young guys, you know, just because we we care about, you know, the songs we write. We care about the performances and we care about the performances live as well. I mean, for the longest time, we didn't make records in the 90s just because just there was no reason but, to, you know. Right, nobody was, cared about those bands in the 90s, let's face it, right? There was no budget to make them, so you really couldn't afford to make them yourself back then. But now with the Internet, you can. You know, you can do that. And with COVID, we, you know, that's how this record was made. It was, everybody was at home, which is really difficult. But yeah, so, I mean, we still care about what we, what we do across the board. You know? you know, MTV was such a big part of your success. I was surprised, uh, by the way, when, when I looked at your songs and your hits, that Sister Christian wasn't number one. First, that blew my mind that it stopped at number five because I for sure thought it was a number one hit. But you did have 10 number one video hits. So how rel- yeah. like how important was MTV and here in Canada was much music to the success of, of Night Ranger? Because that's where I found Night Ranger, right? It was on, on television, on YouTube, or not YouTube, sorry, on, on much music here in Canada. So MTV, well, I mean, actually, uh, MTV was a huge part of it because... You know, uh, when they didn't have that many videos and we we had made some cheap videos to, to promote the, the first couple of singles, which was, you know, don't tell me, I mean, sing me away. You know, they didn't have a whole lot of videos. So we got in heavy rotation because they just didn't have, you know, they kept, you know, like every hour we'd see ourselves on and we're like, we're like, what is this thing? Is this thing doing any good? And suddenly, <laughs> you know, after we got done with the tour at the end, you know, it was like, yeah, it did a lot. You know. We're very, very lucky that we got in on the ground floor. So, yes, to answer your question, it was huge for us. And by the way, we got a gold a gold plaque from Canada, but we've never done a tour in Canada. Never. I know. Crazy. I know. We we're trying to figure out, like, okay, you gave me this gold record. You know, we, we thought we could go up there and play, but we just never, I mean, you know, we got, got the offers to be able to handle all the expenses to, to do the tour. So we just right. didn't do them, you know. I remember um, listening to your albums through through college, university and that. And I used to always say, Night Ranger's never playing here, man. And at the time, my dad was working for Labatt's. That's why I have a Labatt tattoo somewhere on me here. And um, and through Kingswood Music Theater, which is at Candace Wonderland, we had all these bands come through. And uh, I, I just, I was like, Night Ranger's not coming here, damn it. But uh, maybe we'll get to, you'll get to Canada soon enough. Uh, I want to talk about your drumming and singing because Jack Blades... According to him, says you are in the top five singing drummers in the world. And I paid him so much money <laughs> for that answer, I'm telling you. So what do you think of that? I want to know what, what, how you think you fit into the realm of, of some of those greats and maybe who some of your favorites are. And even currently, like right now, Dean Castronova blows yeah. my mind, right? So Forget about it. He's, he's number one to me because I feel like, you know, he didn't get his due uh, because they just didn't let him sing. Right. Or they didn't, they didn't need him to sing back in the day with Journey and some of the other bands. 
you know, he's saying backup. Well, but, you know, to me, I mean, I, I grew up with, there was a few, a handful of drummers, you know, Ringo did a couple songs, you know, of course, Don Henley was huge, you know, to me from the Eagles um, and Pete Rivera. I always say Pete Rivera and everybody goes, who's that? You remember the band Rare Earth? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was the lead singer of the band. So wow. he, he played drums and, and, and lead singer. And I was like, I was like, man, when I saw him do uh, TV shows and he was singing, I was like, I was like, that's that's so great because that's what I want to do. I don't want to get off the drums. Once in a while I do, you know. Right. But but you know, I like I like the challenge of playing drums and trying to, you know, sing. So. You made a comment, <clears throat> you did a, a like I don't see if it was drumio or one of those drumming videos, and I watched a lot of them being a drummer, and you were talking about how you keep a lot of your drumming simple so that yep. you can sing, but yet somebody who plays some of your songs in the past, it's not that simple. It's you have these little nuances when you play. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is he doing? Cause it just seems to have this, I don't know, man. So it's not, I would not say it's simple drumming. That's for sure. But are you a singer first before a drummer or how do you look at yourself? Yeah, I started at the same time. I started doing both at the same time at the age of seven, you know, right when surf was happening, I was born and raised in LA. So there's a lot of surf bands and then the Beatles came out and, you, you know, Buffalo Springfield and all those bands, we were trying to cover those songs. And and some of the guys in the band just weren't singers, you know, but I don't know. I just took to it right away because at the young age of five, I heard Elvis and I wanted to I wanted to sing like Elvis, you know. So I incorporated all those ideas of singing into learning how to play both things at the same time. It's weird. It's really a weird thing, you know. It's not, it's, you're very talented, sir. Uh, your new album, ATBPO, and the band played on. So who came up with this name, number one? And tell me about how, you, what are your thoughts on the album now that it's, you know, you've had a chance to listen to it, I'm sure a number of times it's coming out next month. So give me your thoughts on, on the make, you said it's a COVID album. So you've all recorded this, I take it at home in your own studio. Probably the first time you've done that, right? It was very difficult because, you know, we usually write the songs together and then we can do the recording because we, we trust everybody's got, you know, good amps and at home and they got a good system. We're all on Pro Tools, of course, so we can trade sessions. But how it came about was, you know, Zoom calls like this. We would sit there with, you know, an acoustic guitar and go, I got this idea for a chorus, but I don't have the rest of it. And then it would just, it just started from there. And then we'd send clips from our phones and like, I got this vocal idea. I got this and that. And, and then just over the phone. So it started like that about, you know, like in, you know, January, something like that. And we just started to put it together. Then we would put the sessions together and we started to trade those. So then I went into the studio, recorded uh, drum tracks with Ken Mary in, in uh, Mesa, Arizona, a really great drummer. And yes, Ken Mary. His name comes up a lot. Uh, I don't know if you know Rich, uh, Rich Bloom, I think is his name, who makes snare drums. And Ken Mary is a yeah. good friend of, of his. And he, he, contacts me on social media once in a while. And he's always talking about Ken Mary. And he said, I saw you were talking to Kelly Keggy coming up and to mention Ken Mary, because he was part of the production of the new album and stuff. So. Exactly. Like he, I went to his studio and cut it. I was trying to get a hold of him for probably six months before, but the COVID had pretty much shut his production down. But once I did get a hold of him, I decided I wasn't going to record drums at home because it's really difficult doing engineering and then trying to like wear another hat. Like, okay, I'm going to perform now. Right. I mean, it's easy enough to do and c- control the computer and all that. But 
So I just decided I was going to do it at home. The other guys had their rigs at home. So we just did it. Once we had the, you know, the, the, the tracks, mm -hmm. we started with probably about five, you know, but, but that was the most difficult part is the writing when you're not together. So right. that's how it came about. You know? uh, Breakout is the first single you released, correct? In the video. Right. So two questions. Number one, and I've again seen your live performances via YouTube. You now went down to one rack, Tom. Okay, I, I noticed that. That was the first thing I saw in any of the videos or anything. And tell me about the song and why that was the first released on this record. Well, I mean, you know, uh, what happened was that was one of the last songs we recorded. And all it was is a musical piece that Brad Gillis came up with. Basically, he had all the parts, you know, in a session and sent it around. And so we were trying to figure out how to write to this because there's this big riff going on over the chorus, you know. And... And so eventually um, Jack came up with this idea of like, okay, we're, you know, we're in the lockdown right now. How the hell are we going to get out of this? How can we just break out of this and just like become, you know, the band, you keep playing. So then, so then the breakout song came at the same time we were like, you know, what are we going to call this album? You know, right. it's like, it's like, you know, the, the band's going to keep playing. You know, we want to keep playing. And, the, and so it was Breakout, you know, ATP, PO, you know, uh, you know, how, you know, how are we going to tie this all together? So the song, that, that was basically the last one we recorded. So I, um, that, that's how the, the song got done. You know? Well, it's because Frontier sent me the album, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, so I had to listen to all of it while I was multitasking, doing things at home. Uh, bring it all home to me. The baby, baby, baby. What a great, can you talk about that song? What a catchy tune. You, you know, I mean, um, that was one of the first songs that we were sending around. Jack had that song. You know, I got this great chorus, you know, check it out. You know, so we immediately jumped on that. We immediately jumped on, um, what was the, the second song? was um i think it was one of the ballads you know um it's about three songs that got sent around that were like oh these are great songs you know and that was one of them so we decided to make that the, the second single so we made those videos all at the same time out of the salton sea in california <laughs> how important is new music tonight ranger because in classic rock radio i have i interview a lot of classic rock artists and you know, they have the same complaint. Okay, you're going to play Sister Christian. You're going to play, you know, Don't Tell Me You Love Me. You're going to play, but you're never going to play our new music because it's not fitting your form. So how important is new music to a band like Night Ranger to get out there? I mean, it's very important to keep us moving forward. You know, even if nobody hears the songs, you know, I mean, when we started making a remake, you know, doing albums again in the 90s after taking a break, we just thought, why are we making these albums? We're making them for us. Mm -hmm. And then... There's those hardcore-based fans that want to hear new music from us, so that was that was really the reason. But it was basically for us, you know. And Jack always says, you know, it's like a shark, you know, you got to keep moving forward or you die, you know. And that's what Night Ranger does. <laughs> we keep making new music because we don't want to die. We want we don't, we don't want to just keep playing the old stuff. We want to play new stuff. <laughs> and you're, and you're on tour right now. So are you playing any of this current album um, now or no? We are. We're, we're playing a breakout right now on the set. We just learned it last week. Before we did the Kadat, we said, that audience doesn't really know us, you know, which turned out to be wrong because when we played, there was probably eight, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people out there right. listening. 
you know, so so it was great. We put that song in the set and 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 we were like nervous as hell because it was like first time we'd ever played it. We don't were great, you know. I mean, uh, and so now it's in the set. Now we got to learn, you know, like I bring it all uh, home to me now because that's how too. So, couple of random questions: Do you ever get sick of singing, Sister Christian? You know what? Um, no, because we that chorus is so big. We love singing that chorus together. So, I mean, you know, there could be a time when we go, yeah, you know, um, I'm tired of doing that song. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's like when once you get up there, you know, the audience is waiting for it. You know, it, you, they bring you into that energy. And that's, right. that's why we do it over and over and over again, because we love it. We love that chorus, you know. So today, Ultimate Classic Rock put out this. I don't know if you saw this. Can you see that or no? Yeah, I did. I wrote hey, that. Okay, okay. And so... <laughs> Do you recall this day with, because uh, I forget this is audio, about uh, the, the AMAs and uh, you giving the award to Prince for Album of the Year. Uh, give me a real brief story here because you and, and uh, Jack were there presenting the award to Prince, correct? We were so insulted because two weeks ahead of time, they sent that letter to our office saying, don't, don't acknowledge Prince, don't touch him, <laughs> you know, like gesture in, in any way when he comes to receive his, I mean, it's like, we're like... <laughs> No insulting. I mean, who are we? You know, like you know, we you know, we just want to um, you know hang out with our peers and stuff. And right. we thought he was a great artist, and he is. Yeah. So we we were insulted by that. So we just like we just said, "Come on, man, is, is this for real?" So we we decided to test it out. Right. So we were sitting right behind him, you know, and he's and every time somebody went to you know we 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 tap on them. It wasn't that great, and he was like he was like. He was trying to hide, you know, because he couldn't get away. He was like, he was like don't touch me, don't touch me. Well, so, you know, we, we decided not to torture him. But but uh, I remember when they, you know, when they accepted the award, that yeah. big bruiser guy came out, you know, he came walking out with him. And we were like, okay, maybe we shouldn't reach out to try and shake his hand at this point. So, you know, well, the rumor was, and I don't know if it's true, that night when they went to do We Are the World after uh the the uh, the award show and and here's another thing too whenever he walked up the hall they told everybody like Huey Lewis and everybody that was there you had to go in your room and shut the door that's crazy the, the king is coming you know and it's like that just added insult to injury yeah. so we were just like okay that's fine but we heard that he you know he was asked to to do we are the world and he hated the song so much right this is in the story that i just read but i heard i heard that he decided to show up over there anyway right mm-hmm. after he said i'm not and i don't want to do this and he showed up and quincy went we don't want you here and just just said, shut him down. Just said, no, nope, you can't come in. I thought, holy shit. Wow. Talk about somebody pulling mm-hmm. rank. It's like, oh, yeah, Prince. But look, you know, and, and I've done all these albums. And I, you know, but I don't act like a little kid like you are. Right. So, okay, yeah. fine. Take your toys and go away. See you. Bye. I thought if that was a really a true story, which I, I haven't heard any, any validation, I, I thought... You know, that that would be correct for Quincy Jones to tell him, go home you know, <laughs> yourself, beat it. You know, <laughs> but, um, but don't don't get me wrong. I love Prince. I, you know, yeah, I, me too. I love his music. I, 
Hands down. Amazing. I just thought that was funny. The story came out this morning and I was talking to you today. So I know. Bring it up. Um, scrap metal, real quick. Uh, Rob Mount's a friend of mine who's drumming in scrap metal when you aren't or Bobby Rock is not drumming. Do you still do that? Will you do that? I mean, I don't know what Gunner's doing with it. Yeah, but- I mean, it's all, all been about scheduling. It's always there. Th- those gigs always come up when I'm in, in, in the full-blown like Night Ranger mode between right. May and September. So they always ask me to do them, but I, you know, I haven't been able to do it. We've been so busy. Absolutely. Last year we had to cancel like 90 days. Wow. You know, we were supposed to do the white snake and uh, Sammy Hagar headlining white snake and us. Yeah. And th- those just went away. That's like 40 days right there. Boom. They were gone. And then every week it was like 10 more 20. Pretty soon we were, we were done, you know, you know what? You put out a great album. Again, I listened to it. I thought it was terrific. You know, I'm a big fan. Uh, you've been a big influence on me uh, growing up as a drummer. I don't sing. I try. I try. I'm not very good, but I try. <laughs> it's Come on, get out there. there. Keep out from behind the microphone. They said I. They say I've got the voice. I can do it. So maybe I need some inspiration. But uh, I do appreciate you and what you've done for music and Night Ranger. The Industry 45 Show.